there. Welcome to the 10 minute recap. Uh, today we are summarizing Proverbs 21 to Ecclesiastes 12. Now, it's a bit strange to summarize wisdom literature chapter by chapter, especially the Proverbs, because they're a collection of wise sayings. So there isn't a lot of or or really any narrative to summarize for you. So I'm going to try my best to give you samples of the chapters and we'll muddle our way through together. So Proverbs 21, it has wisdom like this. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I also really love verse four that says, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produces sin. So arrogance leads to the lazy upkeep of the heart, which will inevitably produce wickedness. Proverbs 22 contains a lot of Proverbs in the style that we've now become accustomed to reading in Proverbs, but about halfway through the chapter, uh, a section is introduced called the 30 sayings of the wise. Now saying one is an introduction to pay attention. Uh, saying two is about protecting the poor. Saying three tells us not to be friends with a hot-tempered person because you might adopt their ways, which would then ensnare you. Saying four warns against debt. Saying five tells us not to move an ancient boundary stone set up by our ancestors. Saying 10 is about how skilled workers will advance in their field. And Proverbs 23 then continues the 30 sayings of the wise. So saying seven tells us to watch ourselves when we dine with a ruler, to be careful not to crave his delicacies. Saying eight tells us to not wear ourselves out for riches or trust in our own cleverness. Saying nine tells us not to eat the food of a begrudging host because it's not worth the investment. Saying 10, don't speak to fools. 11, again, tells us not to move an ancient boundary stone, but this one is moving it to take advantage of someone who can't stand up for themselves. The proverb warns us that God is the defender of the defenderless, so look out. Saying 12 tells us to apply our hearts and ears to instruction and knowledge. So I'm going to skip forward now over a bunch of these sayings to move us on to Proverbs chapter 24, which contains the final 10 sayings. So saying 20 is, do not envy the wicked, do not desire their company, for their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. Now, similarly, the 30th saying says this, Fear the Lord and the king, my son, and do not join with rebellious officials, for those too will send sudden destruction on them, and who knows what calamities they can bring. Uh, the chapter continues beyond this 30th saying, offering further sayings. Proverbs 25 opens with a superscript, so an introduction line that tells us the following Proverbs were of Solomon, so written by him, but compiled or collected by the men of King Hezekiah's courts. So Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, he launched large-scale religious reforms during his reign. He might have actually been seeking to reunite fallen Israel into his kingdom of Judah. So it makes a lot of sense to be gathered 
gathering practical and spiritual wisdom that harkened back to a unified time in history when his great 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 grandfather Solomon ruled over all Israel. So it's a good nod to history. Here is one of those collected sayings, all right? So verse 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks control. Think about that. Self-control is protection like a city wall. Don't have it at your own peril. All right, Proverbs 26 seems to focus on different applications of the lack of wisdom. So there's sections on the fool, on the sluggard, and on the evil person who's pretending to be good. So verses 23 to 26 say this, like a coating of silver dross on earthenware, are fervent lips with an evil heart. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their heart. Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Okay, Proverbs 27 then moves back into advice. So verse two says, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Or how about this nugget from verse 20 on human nature? It says this, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. Knowing our nature is crucial to mitigating our behavior, isn't it? Now a highlight from Proverbs 28 is, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Also, verse 26, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. It's a lot different than our cultural narrative, isn't it? Okay, Proverbs 29, some highlights are, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. And this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Okay, Proverbs 30 contains the sayings of Augur to someone else, either a child or a disciple named Ithiel. Now, when you really break down the verses, there is a structure. There's an introduction where Augur confesses, and then there are several wisdom sayings, and then a conclusion that serves as a warning to Ithiel. Proverbs 31 contains the sayings of King Lemuel taught to him by his mother. And it seems to be a really practical chapter for kings or rulers. So there's advice for kings in how to live in order to rule well. Then there's a section about choosing a godly wife who's very much like wisdom herself. And this makes sense. The queen would affect much, especially as she grew to take the place of queen mother. All right, let's move on now to the book of Ecclesiastes. So. Ecclesiastes is the English transliteration of the Greek word for teacher based off of the Hebrew main character here called the teacher. So the teacher struggles to figure out if life has meaning or if it doesn't and what that is. And in the end, the teacher does come to the place where life has meaning, but only after this really long struggle with the reality of living in this imperfect fallen world. So Ecclesiastes 1 establishes the burden of human life, which we all know people work all day so that they can eat and sleep and then work all day again until they die. 
So what's the point? Nothing's new. Nothing will ever be new. Life is a burden. Sin can't be fixed. Even wisdom just adds to sorrow because you're forced to think about how everything is terrible. That's the gist of chapter one. Ecclesiastes 2 talks about how even pleasure is ultimately meaningless. Verses 13, 14 say this, Wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their head while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then you get down to verse 16, which says, like the fool, the wise too must die. And verse 17 adds, so I hated life. Now, the best we can do according to chapter two is to eat and drink and find satisfaction in our work here on earth. And we're going to see that theme really repeated until the very end of Ecclesiastes. So in chapter three now, he talks about how there's a time for everything, a time to be born, to die, to plant, to uproot, to love, to hate, to war, to peace. There's this order to creation that God has worked out, even though we can't see the reason behind it. We can't see the ultimate plan of God. Now, there's a bit of hope in verse, thir- in verse 17 here, pardon me, that God will one day judge all people, the wicked and the righteous. But the teacher emphasizes that this is, it's a mystery to him. Ecclesiastes 4 discusses the teacher's struggle with all the evil oppression that goes on in the world and how human achievement is based on envy of one another. Therefore, even achievement is evil, he decides. He decides also that it's better to have friends and family so that you can pass on your work, but even still, you end up dying in the end. Ecclesiastes 5 is about fulfilling all all your vows to God, being careful when you make them, because you're going to have to fulfill them, and staying away from sin. And then the chapter goes into a discussion on, again, the meaninglessness of human wealth. Very uplifting. Ecclesiastes 6 continues on to talk about how there are wealthy people who cannot enjoy their wealth and how that is a most evil fate. To the teacher, those people would be better off not even having been born. Ecclesiastes 7 then contains Proverbs-style literature, so we get a bit of brief relief from the uplifting vanity and everything is meaningless talk. But instead, he talks about his determination to be wise and how he ultimately failed at that. Ecclesiastes 8 sees him wrestling with obeying an earthly king. Ecclesiastes 9 talks about our common human destiny, which he's mentioned before, and of course that's a physical death. Ecclesiastes 10 compares and contrasts wisdom and folly, and it does end up holding wisdom as better. Ecclesiastes 11 continues advice on how to be wise that it actually started back in chapter 10. Uh, So 11 focuses specifically on financial wisdom and remembering God when you're establishing your life, when you're young. Finally, for today, and to close out the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12 focuses on the path of the person who is chosen to honor God throughout their life from their youth. And the teacher reconciles all of his struggles with the knowledge of God as the ultimate judge and king who will bring righteousness and justice. He says this, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, 
whether it is good or evil. So even though the teacher struggles with all of these things, he realizes that ultimately in the end, there is this plan that the creator has and the creator is just and righteous and he will somehow bring it all around to make sense in the end for the teacher. All right, I hope that recap made sense for you. Let me know your thoughts and questions down in the comments below. And until next week, happy reading and happy studying. Thank you so much for watching. We want to keep producing high quality biblical content, but we can't do it without your support. If you feel called to support us, please click the link in the description under donate. Your support really means a lot to us.